0: It would be great if you could have your Bibles open back um, at Daniel chapter 2 as we come to our third week in our Daniel series, so your Bibles or your Bible apps as we explore Daniel chapter 2. Let's pray. Almighty Father, as you have given us your word, give us now your spirit that we may understand and live the things which we hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. I wonder if you've heard those words. On board Apollo 13, Jim Lovell had to repeat Jack Swigert's words to mission control. A routine maintenance task went horribly wrong, causing the spacecraft's oxygen tanks to explode and turning the US space program's third moon landing into a desperate race to save the three astronauts' lives. Despite the combined knowledge and experience of NASA's scientists and engineers and their confidence in that knowledge and experience, a series of simple mistakes led to the explosion, which nearly cost the lives of these three astronauts. What had caused the explosion? Well, subsequent investigations revealed that one of the oxygen tanks on board Apollo 13 had been accidentally dropped during maintenance before the Apollo 10 mission in 1969. A simple mistake caused a cascade of errors. Slight internal damage had been caused to the oxygen tank, which didn't show up in later inspections. When the tank was tested later, in March 1970, just a month before the mission, the tank didn't empty properly. And so the engineers came up with the solution, which was to heat the tank to force the liquid oxygen to burn off. But this resulted in a surge of power causing a temperature spike of greater than 500 degrees. Even though there was no external indication of the problem, the heat damaged the insulation on the wires inside the tank, turning the tank into a bomb waiting to explode. Human knowledge and systems failed, nearly taking the lives of three men. In the book of Daniel, we see a civilization and a king who trusted completely in their own power, knowledge and wisdom. In Habakkuk chapter 1, God described the Babylonians in these words. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth. They are feared and dreaded. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honour. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at fortified cities. They sweep past like the wind. Their own strength is their God. They were ruthless, feared, dreaded. They trusted only in themselves. Last week, Adam spoke about the Babylonian plan to go beyond their military victory by establishing religious and cultural dominance over the Israelites. Despite the degree of temptation, Daniel and his friends resisted assimilation and remained faithful to God and were in fact treated with favour by their captors. Now there was a clue, a spoiler alert in chapter 1, That pointed to what would happen next. In verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Despite all the resources at his disposal, Nebuchadnezzar was brought to his knees not by a powerful adversary nor a life-threatening illness, nor an ambitious sibling, but by a dream. This dream exposed the frailty of the Babylonians' wisdom and strength and revealed the wisdom and power of God's kingdom. Let's turn now to verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and could not sleep. So the king summoned the magician, magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Human beings are fascinated by dreams. We ask, Why do we dream? And what do they mean? We haven't really understood dreams very well. As we haven't understood sleep itself, researchers believe that dreams help us to process our experiences, our emotions, and maybe even offer us an opportunity to test out future possibilities. But as humans, we seek something deeper, maybe more spiritual. A quick Google search reveals a whole number of websites offering to help Christians interpret their dreams. After all, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, quoted Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Does this mean that Christians regularly have dreams which have significant spiritual meaning? Well, if we look at the scriptures as a whole, God-given dreams are fairly uncommon and the gift of interpreting dreams, even less so. That, of course, doesn't mean that God can't speak through dreams. And if you think a dream does have meaning for you or for others, it must be carefully tested against God's word with the guidance of wise and mature Christians. Well, Nebuchadnezzar is so troubled by his dreams that he couldn't sleep. I'm sure most of us have had a disturbing dream at one time. It's often these dreams which make us question whether they have some significance for our present or future. And so Nebuchadnezzar commanded his advisors to enlighten him with the meaning of this dream. But there's a twist. His advisors asked, tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king had other ideas. He replied, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honour. Nebuchadnezzar set a tall task for his servants, an impossible one really. For all the power, knowledge and resources at his disposal He is so insecure that a dream has exposed the true nature of Babylonian wisdom and power. Now it's interesting, his servants didn't try and pretend they could give their ruler what he asked. They might be used to telling Nebuchadnezzar what he wants to hear, but this time they were absolutely honest. They said, there is no one on earth who can do what you ask No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. Well, the king was not amused by this reply. In fact, this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. Like many rulers with absolute power, their servants serve and live at the king's pleasure. Even Daniel and his friends were caught up in Nebuchadnezzar's wrath and they too faced death. The power and wisdom of Babylon had been exposed as an illusion. Now we know from chapter 1 that Daniel had been prepared for this moment. When Daniel was brought up to date with the situation, he went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Daniel knew that he could not perform this task by himself. He asked for time to withdraw and seek God's counsel. Daniel knew that God's wisdom is superior to Babylon's wisdom and superior to his own. I wonder when we are faced with a difficult situation or problem, who do we go to? Do we try to face it alone, with our own resources? Do we Google it? Do we ask help from family, friends or colleagues? Do we seek God's guidance? Do we consult God's word? Do we pray as the first option as Daniel did or do we do it when everything else fails as a last resort Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends he urged them to plead for mercy from God concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon Daniel first sought the wisdom of God because he knew as the Babylonians knew in part that only God could give him the answer and even in this moment Daniel's motivation was not his own glory or esteem but rather saving the lives of his friends during the night the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made me known. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Daniel praised God for his wisdom and grace in giving Daniel the knowledge that the king asked for. And this continues even when Daniel comes before Nebuchadnezzar. He points to God as the source of his answer. He said, no wise men, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he is asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He pointed to God as the source of his wisdom. Do we follow Daniel's example when we accomplish something? Do we give praise and honour to God? Or do we seek the esteem, the honour and glory for ourselves? It's a common sight to see Christian footballers acknowledge God when they score a try or score a goal. And after the game, Christian players, often players from opposing teams, gather together to pray and to honour God for what has just happened. Sometimes we might be suspicious of their motivations. Are they genuine? I think sometimes we're influenced by the culture around us that says faith is a personal and private matter. We shouldn't be doing that in public. But their actions do point to a way of living that places God at the centre of everything we do and everything we achieve. Now Daniel interprets the dream, which revealed that God's kingdom is more powerful than any human kingdom, including the Babylonians. At the time, it would have been unimaginable that any kingdom would be more powerful than Babylon. But of course, the Babylonians were no different to the empires that went before or would come after them. It's interesting that Daniel first reminded Nebuchadnezzar that God alone had given him the power and authority that he exercised as king. In a way, he put him in his place. Your Majesty, you are the King of Kings, the God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might. glory. He then indicated that the future would see a series of kingdoms rise and fall. Human empires are temporary and will eventually fail. Even the Roman Empire, which stretched across most of the known world, would eventually fall. But Daniel points to God's kingdom which is absolutely different. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Jesus is the king of God's kingdom, but he doesn't achieve a military victory. Instead, he defeats sin and death on the cross. He doesn't build an impressive palace or city or civilization. Instead, his resurrection brings forth new creation, which we are invited to be part of now and for eternity. Jesus doesn't come for his own glory, but to point to the one who sent him. how did Nebuchadnezzar respond to Daniel's revelations? After all, Daniel had just told him that his kingdom would not last forever. The clock was ticking. This is what Nebuchadnezzar did. He fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honour and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings And a revealer of mysteries. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts on him, made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon. In a time of great danger and weakness, Daniel placed his trust in God. Now it seems that Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged Yahweh as the God above all gods, even the Lord of kings but I wonder if he really acknowledged God as his Lord. His true motivation seems to be keeping Daniel around for the next situation. He was useful this time. He'll probably be useful again. Daniel trusted in the one who sent Jesus to reconcile us to himself. What do we need to do? All we need to do is place our trust in Jesus as Saviour and as the true Lord of our life. Let us not be distracted or drawn away by other things, but keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of Daniel and for his faithfulness in seeking you and your wisdom. Help us to be not distracted or to rely on our own strength and knowledge and skills, but rather in all things depend entirely on you. Help us to follow you, help us to trust you, help us to grow in our relationship with you, so that we can praise you in all things and share that good news on our front lines. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.